You're listening to The Tom Dupree Show. It's hour three. It's nine o'clock. We've got some good stuff for you. Over to you, Tom. This is uh, a little clip from a movie that uh, I've watched for years, numerous times. Uh, I think you might enjoy it. It's Paul Newman and Robert Shaw in The Sting. Year 2000, Mr. Clements, give me $10,000 more. Newman lighting a cigar again. puts a big stack of chips in the middle of the table. Newman looks at his cards, looks behind him to see if Shaw's henchman is reading his cards. I'll call. Now here's the great part, because they showed Newman with four threes in his hand. Four jacks. He out-cheated the cheater. They're all looking like, oh my God, what happened? You owe me 15 grand, pal. Now everybody's looking at Shaw. Must have left my wallet in my room. Don't hand me into that crap. When you come to a game like this, you bring your money. How do I know you won't take a powder? No, 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 no. All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send a boy around to your room in five minutes. You better have the money or it's going to be all around Chicago that you're welched. You won't be able to get a game of jacks. (laughs) So... (laughs) I don't know why I wanted to play that, but it just seemed like. <laughs> why did you want to play that? <laughs> Donald Trump versus the establishment. I don't know. I, I can't. I, I, don't, I don't always know why I do things. You but, must have liked the sting. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a great movie. And it's, uh, it's all plot. Yeah, I mean, I like plot. You know, a lot of touchy-feely stuff. In a movie, it, it, it can be nice. You know, I'm not completely against that. But in a movie, it's like going, for me, it's like going to an athletic contest. I like movies so much. I used to have a babysitter as a young mother growing up. I had a babysitter come every week just so I could go to the theater by myself. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's Why great. does that not surprise me? It's great. I loved a matinee. Yeah. I, was, I, I loved a matinee. Well... So you had some ideas that you wanted to talk about. I mean, does that surprise me? Missy <laughs> got some ideas. Lord. There's too many to choose doing? from. What were we going to talk okay, about? Okay, so, so I'm waiting for you to talk about it so I can then talk about the thing I told you. Were you going to lead off or was I? No, you were going to lead off. Okay. So do you want me to lead off with the thing? I t- Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. 
you said you woke up in the middle of the night and you were reading a passage and there was a, an interesting correlation with Abraham Lincoln. And All right. This is uh, Newt, Newt Gingrich. I, I'm on his email uh, list of, and he puts out, it's called Gingrich three, 360. He's a commentator these days. This just came out yesterday. As Congresswoman Liz Cheney was being decisively repudiated by the voters of Wyoming, 66% to 29% is a repudiation. Her smug Eastern establishment certainty of moral virtue remained intact. However, in describing her situation with the words of Abraham Lincoln, she skewed the historic record. If Lincoln had only garnered 29% support in his 1858 U.S. Senate race against Stephen Douglas, he would have never been president. In fact, Lincoln won the popular vote against incumbent Douglas, but because the Democrats had more seats in the state legislature, they sent Douglas back to Washington. See, back then, the legislatures were the ones that basically made the senatorial appointments. Lincoln then had the Lincoln-Douglas debates published as a book and worked methodically to win the GOP nomination for president in 1860. So what he basically did is he took his ideas and appealed on the basis of that, which is amazing. Liz Cheney is also profoundly mistaken in her claim that Lincoln ignored public opinion to follow some internal conviction against the popular will. Lincoln was deeply careful about doing what the public wanted. He was possibly the most thoughtful of all American presidents in this regard. He warned, quote, in this age, in this country, public sentiment is everything. With it, nothing can fail. Against it, nothing can succeed. Anyone who studies Lincoln's presidency knows he listened carefully to the American people. In an age before polling, President Lincoln routinely held open receptions at the White House. As Tyler Putnam wrote, quote, I call these receptions my public opinion baths, for I have but little time to read the papers and gather public opinion that way. And, though they may not be pleasant in all their particulars, the effect as a whole is renovating and invigorating to my perceptions of responsibility and duty. Lincoln believes such encounters kept him in touch with, quote, the great popular assemblage out of which I sprang and to which at the end of two years, I must return. Now, if you think that Liz Cheney, at the end of her term, is about to return to anything like the great popular assemblage, 
you are sorely mistaken. She's a she's worth a lot of money. She can be very insulated on her ranch or her father's ranch in Montana and Wyoming and never see anybody except people she wants to see. And can you imagine, sorry, to jump back to our first hour, if anybody missed it, we were actually talking about the effects of the Internet and, um, you know, all the technological advances. Can you imagine the to, to actually embrace public opinion and how it's influenced today with what were, you know, what, what, you know, they got broadsheets if they ever got anything. It was, you know, the town crier back in 1850s. Can you imagine how different, um, you know, what, what you're facing today? But the principles are still the same. That's true. That's true. Okay. Let me just finish this. The right. government of the people in Wyoming means representing a deeply pro Donald Trump position. Trump got 70% of the popular vote in 2020. When Cheney decided her mission in life was destroying President Trump, she was, in effect, repudiating the people of Wyoming. Now, last I looked, the Congress does not have at-large seats. In other words, where you can go and be a member of Congress without representing a district and just, you know, like LFUCG does. Well, you know, truly, and when a Wyoming truly being one of the most conservative states, she absolutely, absolutely did not represent her, her constituency. In our country, she said, we don't swear an oath to an individual or a political party. We take our oath to defend the United States Constitution, and that oath must mean something. Tonight I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. And this is uh, Gingrich speaking here. In her concession speech, Cheney continued her anti-Trump fervor, which had marked the January 6th committee as a show trial. Essentially, she was chair of a vice chair of a fake committee colluding with the fake news media to produce fake information. Garland's Justice Department, having lied to federal judges, harassed Trump supporters, and now having sent 30 FBI agents into the former president's private home is clearly trying to find grounds to indict him and try him in Washington, D.C., where he got only 5.6% of the vote. You have but, to think that the implications of her, her resounding defeat um, on the January 6th would, be, would, would affect be, him. Yeah. But, but they don't look at Wyoming as, and then let me jump to the end. As Lincoln warned, public sentiment is everything. It is that public sentiment which repudiated Cheney in Wyoming. It's that public sentiment which will repudiate any effort to legally rig the game so Trump cannot run. Garland, that's what they're trying to do. They're really not trying to put him behind bars. They want to get him on a technicality so supposedly he can't run for office again. 
Merrick Garland is in real risk of becoming the attorney general who broke the public's belief in an impartial American justice system. That would be a disaster on a historic scale. Let's stick with Lincoln and cheerfully repudiate Cheney and Garland. Now, this is the thing I would like to say. I saw this. I've seen it a few times. Uh, there was a senator from Louisiana, Mary Landro. They finally voted her out. Uh, when Katrina hit, uh, she talked about, well, all the camps that everybody goes to, those were hit, and these are places where rich folks go down south of New Orleans going out in the cane break. Um, and then she did some video about our life here on Capitol Hill, and it showed her townhome and all this kind of thing. The unbelievable, I mean, these are people that have never done anything. They, they, I mean, if they had gone out and made 50 million bucks on their own and bought a townhome in Alexandria, Virginia or somewhere, more power to them. These people that had done it all living off the public uh, trough, Cheney's father, um, was with Halliburton. I'm sure he made a lot of his money on his own. Uh, but her husband's, I think, kind of a sleazebag lawyer. So, you know, and I don't th – here's the thing. I don't think these people even really understand what goes on in the minds of, of, an, of the average person. You know, we've got people like that here in Lexington. They do this, run around, fly the here and there. They're not necessarily ever in touch with anybody that's – but the smart ones, they keep in touch with the guy in the street. I would have to probably exclude our mayor from, from that. I'm not sure she has any clue of what's going on in this city. She's now having to act like she does, but I think it's simply because she feels like the ground may be shifting a little, and I hope it shifts some more, but – who knows? I think there's a difference about people that care about other people and people that are in a good position of leading uh, entities, cities, businesses, countries to, you know, through the stages that they're that they're facing. Um, you know, I look I look back and I think I think that Joe Biden was never really supposed to be the choice. Right. I mean, I, I look back and I think about uh, what was on social media. What happened to Cory Booker? I mean, that would have been. I, I, I just, it, it, you're looking at a man that had a pretty sordid and questionable career, um, most definitely a career politician, right, um, in the worst way. Um, you know, why he became the moderate to tip the Bernie Sanders wave to me is a huge mystery. You know, there was a lot of support for Bernie Sanders. I mean, from from a, a kind of a wide range of Bernie's of been trick bagged every time, but he always gets something for it. I don't think Bernie wants to be president. I think he likes to act like he wants to. It's just like get people talking about the right little pressure points. Well, I'll give you an example. Rand Paul, for instance. Oh, Rand Paul, he's so this, he's so that. Rand Paul's a vote counter. He's a, he's a regular old politician, but he staked out. This, he's got his little hill that he sits on, 
and he, he makes pronouncements and this sort of thing. And in a strange way, despite the fact that I really don't care for him, I have a little more respect for Mitch McConnell because he really understands how the sausage is made. And he knows that you're never going to win 100% of anything. If you can get 58% of what you're going for, it's a victory. He, he's, he's the, uh, he is the ultimate sausage politician. Rand Paul sits out there and makes pronouncements and throws rocks and stuff like that. And I like Rand. Don't get me wrong. I will say this, Rand Paul said, I heard, that uh, he explained something to Donald Trump like 30 times. <laughs> he never really understood. I don't know that Trump is, is the type guy that listens to what you and I have got to say. I mean, if I got him in a room, just me and him, he'd listen to me. <laughs> I'd put the body on him. I mean, sure I'd, I'd grab him by the, you know, I would do bodily harm to him if he didn't listen to me because that's i think he only responds to power but the thing is is that these politicians like a mary cheney or a, a elizabeth cheney how do they get so out of touch with I mean, you just had 70 percent your family's an old family in wyoming your your granddaddy your daddy you all had ranches and stuff y'all are part of that state you know, you're you're a part of that fabric. They said, "Get the hell out of here!" What? What? Who in Washington D.C. all of a sudden became the person you wanted to be like to take you away from who your roots are? Your roots are in the state of Wyoming. I've been to Wyoming. It's a big ass place. I don't know if it's the corrosive ideas of this new woke ideology. It's being in or, D.C. It's a scummy yeah. place. I don't. I don't like it there. It's like you feel like you got to take a bath just having flown into there. Well, back to Biden. Um, you know, two thousand mules aside, which we we've had a few discussions. That's about. the paper or the the movie done by Dinesh D'Souza. Two thousand mules. If you haven't watched it, you can. In whatever whatever evidence that you take from two thousand mules, whether you take it all, take a little bit, take an appetizer version, just look at it. It should at least raise a question. But you know, put it all out there. Apparently, it just doesn't make a difference. And so here we are. Here we are. So all right, you've got Biden and all his handlers. They want you. They need you to believe that his he is literally beset by bad luck, that it is one, one catastrophe after another. And yet, like the leader that he is, he faces this daily barrage of adversity with, with yes, I remember somebody telling me um, that they wanted to vote for Biden because he, quote unquote, looked more like a president. And uh, this is funny. I'll give you that. Than Donald Trump. And yeah, I thought to myself, give you that. this is one of the most liberal people I know. And I thought, because he's white and old, white, well, a male. It's like and going old? to Keeneland and betting on the jockey. I mean, you don't want to ask too many questions. Just you know. Well, you know, my my feeling though is the truth is that Biden is the problem, and that's what I'd like to talk about a little bit in the second half. I uh, knew when we get back. We'd finally get around yeah. to what you wanted. 
What I want to, to talk, talk about? about? Yeah. When do you not get your water? Oh, I still want to talk about how the CDC has completely backed. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you going to hit us with Elizabeth. some music? Elizabeth. You going to hit us with some music? Oh, yeah. Going out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is there a, is there a, is there a theme to the sting? No, I got a. I got a, a no theme song to the sting. Actually, there is. Surely there is. Uh, hold on, yeah, yes. I got a little time here. All right, all right, but keep talking. All right, but um, I was just talking about that uh, public opinion, and that's what you're talking about on his performance is pretty much bad. To let's get this man out of the White House right now before he kills us all. So I'd like to talk about that range of of feelings that people are currently going through. Right. Um. So. And actually, the main piece is, where is the press in this? And that's right. what I'd like to discuss. So hit sure. me. Well, I'm... Sp- there it is. Scott Joplin. It's called The Entertainer. I think I played this at a piano recital. It must have been pretty good better reach with my hands to get old and you can't hit those chords. Oh, we still got another minute. Keep talking about your piano what? lessons. I kind of like this. This is good. Well, this is, I thought we were just about to go out. Uh, I like this part. When this movie came out in 1973, it was altogether a different sort of genre. I mean, you could sort of call it a gangster movie, but not really. It's what year did it come out? Seventy-three. Seventy-three. It's it's really about individuals. It's a wonderful movie. It's a movie that I watch a couple of times a year and have for the the man that's killed in the early part of the movie is Robert Earl Jones, who plays the part. That's James Earl Jones's father. I like this better than Deer Hunter from a few weeks ago. Yeah, I didn't play Deer Hunter. Part of the movie. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. We're listening to a little, what is this? Rodney Crowell. Why, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Crosby. 
He looks like Johnny Cash on your on your phone. Well, he was married to his daughter. That is interesting. Ooh, that's till, creepy. Until 1992, and then uh, so Rodney Crowell it was friends with I Love It, Vince Gill. They they were all kind of coming up together. Country uh, country only. Country, well, music only. His music can kind of, it's not really just country. It's yeah. a little like Radney Foster. Okay. Sort of rockabilly. He was from Crosby. He to, looks rockabilly in that yeah. in your video. He looks like Marty Stewart. Oh, that's interesting. So um so Crosby is up Highway 90. The way to go back to New Orleans from Houston before they built I-10 was Highway 90. And uh it, and it's also it's how you got to El Paso and San Antonio. Highway 90 went across the bottom of the U.S. 90. So up that road is Dayton and Crosby and those towns kind of as you're on your way to southeast, up towards East Texas. And uh, he grew up in Houston, and he was kind of a rock and roll guy. But he's a songwriter. Uh, there was one song, Blame It on the Moon, that the Bob Seger band did, you know, Bob Seger, you've heard of him. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Who your your mental uh, capacity did, to remember did, all these he, things is, is... He wrote Blame It on the Moon. That's a These guys, they make a lot more money off a song they write that uh, a lot of people will play than they do off performing it themselves. I mean, it's... Uh, it's just how it works. I mean, but he was of that genre. Guy Clark. Guy Clark was a big Armadillo World Headquarters. That's Willie Nelson. That's Towns Van Zandt. That's uh, Waylon Jennings. That's all the outlaws. I mean, music is like family. And you're part of so this family tree or that family tree. Of course, Vince Gill, whose wife needs prayer because she really got hurt in a in a bike wreck uh that's amy grant but vince is got about as good a pedigree in terms of who he's played with and what he's done in the music business as anybody walking around alive rodney crowell i don't know what he's doing now i think he tours and you know these people can't not tour nowadays i mean people pay 60 80 100 dollars a ticket Back when they were touring in the 70s and 80s, they were paying 8 and 10 bucks, yeah, I was gonna if say. that. And yeah, they just didn't, the money wasn't. It's like golfers, pro golfers. You know, you know they're talking about paying Tiger Woods $800 million to go over to that Arab tour? Didn't I could that. learn how to play golf for that. So the, 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 the thing of it is, the music business is a fascinating business. Joe Turley, who grew up on my street, um, went down to Nashville. Very early, a guy named Ray Silbar, sorry, Jeff Silbar. Ray was the one I went to Henry Clay with. Jeff was a songwriter, wrote a song called The Wind Beneath Your Wings. Willie Nelson did it, and then Bette, Mid Bette Midler blew it up. Oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, that's Jeff's song. So if you have, if you're a songwriter, I mean, you crush it if you do well. Especially and, you get the right the right person to yeah, do your somebody, song, right? That, you know, somebody picks up on it, and uh, next thing you know, um, you're getting checks that are coming in the mail every month, royalties, 
Right. It's like having a piece of land that somebody hits an oil well on. Yeah, there was you that get royalty check. There was that movie that uh, I was asking you when you were uh, chit chatting about with Amy Grant some time months ago about another issue. Um, there was a there was that I movie. was chit chatting with Amy Grant. You were. Remember, you were yeah. No, I wasn't. I was trying to get an information thing in front of her. Okay. Wait, wait. There was some. Why some, would you tell people? Well, there was that? some song. It sounds was, like I'm some creep. Oh something. yeah. No, no. I didn't. I said chit chatting about an issue. Yeah. It was interesting because there was some. There was a movie. It was the young man. I can't remember. It was Bart something. He had the movie, and he wanted uh, Amy Grant was going to sing his cover song, and she said, "Hey, know. look, it's not my song. It's your song. It's your story to tell." Yeah. And so, anyway, it, you need to but, sing it. Yeah, but I guess it it does it does make a difference. Who's who is? I was listening it. to a little Bob Dylan last night. One of the um, albums I bought. We'll just do a little music here. All right. Uh, I bought an album of his years ago called Highway 61 Revisited. And uh it it's a it's it's an incredible album. He he writes some really like a song called Like a Rolling Stone is on there. And uh, but the the song Highway 61 Revisited the way he does it is a little bit namby pamby, in my opinion. This is the guy that really does it. And uh, you going to play the song here? Oh, there we go. Turn me up. God said none. And you say what? God said you can do what you want, but now next time you see the coming man, you better run. Okay. Is he albino? Yes. Oh, wow. Johnny Winter was from Port Arthur. That's where I used to go to, uh, if I'd go down to Galveston when I lived in Houston and drive up Highway 87, and Port Arthur is in the southeastern corner of Texas, which is the southern, is the Gulf of Mexico, just east is Louisiana. And north is deep east Texas. And that's where he was from. And there was a place in Port Arthur called Sartans that the shrimp and the crabs pulled up in the boats right there. And I'd, I'd go eat so barbecue. Is his real name Johnny Winter? Yeah. That, okay. And he had a brother named Edgar Winter. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Johnny had issues with drugs and alcohol. He's a little bit like a Texas version of Janet jo- Janice Joplin. Kind of a misplaced type soul. But he could sure play the slide guitar. And uh, I. he had an album he put out. This is called Second Winter. It was three sides. One of the albums had no music on it. It was just flat. No grooves. So it was one and a half albums. And how I got to know this album was from Bill Brody at Camp Mondawin. Back to your Mondamon days. I get you. Obviously, okay. they meant a lot. Let me play one more song. I mean, if, now that we're... We got things to talk about. I, I know. I'm gonna, we're, we're, we haven't even gone halfway through this hour. All right. All right. Let's do one other. And uh, this, uh, this guy is amazing. Uh, <sighs> so amazing. He, you can't find him. No, wait a minute. Okay. 
Now this this guy is as good a Texas uh, musician as there is, and we've we've played some of his stuff. Hey, pretty baby, are you ready for me? Yeah, it's a good rockin' daddy down from Tennessee. I'm just out off from about for San Antonio with a radio blasting and the bird dog gone. Don't tell me you don't like this. This is Texas long-haired Texas boy comes to Nashville. Steve Earl. It's called Guitar Town. I don't know. I just love music. Can't help it. Cut me back. Were, were you right. one of those people that uh, made your own tapes and cassettes and gave them no, to friends? No, I was too stuff? lazy to do that. No, okay. All right. I uh, thought, thought I maybe mean, you this were. This YouTube thing is absolutely up my alley because it's so easy to do. All right. So what do you got, Miss? All right. I'm, I want to get back to I want to get back to Biden and I want to talk about do. the complicity of, of the media. Of course you do. Sorry, well, you were you you started this whole thing off with public opinion oh, it's my and fault. how. Um, you know, the, uh, the importance. Why of- is it when I'm doing, and I don't mean to be, you know, stereotypical here, but when I'm dealing with a woman, it's always my fault. I'm not saying it was your fault at all. I'm just saying, let's get to the grit. Okay. Of this, Go for it. The Go meat and the it. potatoes. Okay. I, my suggestion is, is that um, the main factor is the media was selling Biden and Harris to us from the beginning, and that they quite literally, we, the public, are quite literally the victims of their complicity. And Biden certainly currently I refuse to be anybody's victim, and so you count me out of being a victim. Okay, all right. I, I, I do not well, ever I'll, call myself a victim. You, all right, you be you. I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you is You is feel that you've people, been victimized? I think that the American public has been victimized. I'm not saying you personally, me personally, or anybody else personally. What I'm suggesting is, is that Biden does not suffer from bad press. He does not suffer. I mean- it's like there isn't, there should be bad press. So where are we going to go suffer. with this? All right, we, this is something we already know and believe. But what are you going to, what's going to be your example? Or oh, Okay, so we're supposed to celebrate um, elementary school kids trying on gender, ident- gender identities and sexuality like they should be trying on costumes. I, yeah, I, that's. I had, I, had, um, I, I know, think even the uber, uber liberalist among us, are looking at that and saying, wait a minute, it wasn't supposed to run off the track with this. And, and, you know, according to some of Biden's administration, that we should be happy that gas prices are up, even though they've dipped a little bit, because we should be embracing electric cars. Yeah. Um, interesting. I've, I was telling uh, I was telling some of the guys earlier, a kind of a funny video that I saw um, earlier this morning before I came to work. It was an Airbnb owner who was renting his place to a group, the group that were that was staying in his home had a Tesla. Okay. And of course, they are taking their Tesla out and about doing their sightseeing all day long. Sure. And of course, they were coming home and, and they were plugging, it. yes, charge, charging their Tesla. And, his, <laughs> and he looks at his and electric meter he and he has, goes. He has it all on, a, you know, he has, he has it all on his smartphone, you know, the KU, the usage and everything for, you know, the properties mm-hmm. that he does. And he was mortified like 100 bucks probably oh my, my god he said he the first night he goes what in the hell are they doing and then he realized that they he 
even they were they were of course charging their Tesla. And the interesting thing is, this is a guy like having three or four air conditioners air, yes, running, yes, and, just blast. And I never thought about this. And he said from now on he would be looking at who you know what car they drove yeah. because this this is the other interesting thing. This is a guy that is actually cognizant of the grid of of you know of sure. uh, of energy use so much so that he invested in the whole solar panel. Solar panels, you know, they weren't charging their cars yeah, during the day. Enough, they uh, were charging their right. cars at night, with, as you know, because everything else was yeah, running yeah. on the solar power during you, the day. Solar panel, it's use it or lose it. It's really hard to store it. Right. You can't. Exactly. It's not like oil and gas where you can put it in a tank and burn it tomorrow. Well, like we were talking about last week about the electronic cars and this big push that that the infrastructure simply is not prepared for the type of of embracing and uh, turnover to electric cars. So let me just say a little bit about, I do know something about electrical transmission. So you have local grids and you have uh, regional grids and you have national grids. If you're ever driving out in the country and you come to a big place where the land has been cleared for like 150 yards wide, and it just goes off in the distance, and there's these 200-foot towers in the middle of it that have these stanchions on them, and there's wires on the stanchions, and there's wires on the top, and there's wires going through the bottom. Those are called transmission lines. That is, uh, I don't know, two, 300,000 volts, a lot, going a long distance. They then go through, when, when they suck, some of the electricity off of that to to be used locally. You go through, uh, you ever seen those transformers where you'll go around a place there'll be, it'll be uh, fenced in usually, and it's got a bunch of these big boxes and lots of wires coming in. You've seen, there's one down in Chevy Chase, yeah. right uh, around the corner from uh, Josie's. It, yeah, well, I know what you're talking about. Okay, that's where they take transmission electricity and convert it to local electricity. Hmm. When it comes into a house, it's what's called three-phase. Three but they have to then convert it into two-phase. A three-phase plug, it's got three things on it. Uh, it's usually, I think, 480 volts. It's got to get taken down to 220. You're washing machine runs not on 120 mm -hmm. or 110 but 220 mm -hmm. it's got three things on it and converting it to that local electricity creates heat why do those um big uh things that you see on those poles look like a big can you know how they look like a big gray can hanging up they're full of oil Oil uh, allows the heat to be dissipated. Sometimes you can walk or go driving in the country when it's been cold, maybe in the 20s, and then the sun comes out. You start seeing steam sometimes coming off these transmission lines because they're, the sun's melting it, but there's also a little bit of heat in the line Anytime electricity generates heat, you're losing electricity because the electrons are causing friction with whatever they're hitting as they go by, 
and heat's being generated and you're losing electricity. And if you think you can ramp this sucker up and create four times the amount of those things going, it's not going to work. No. It, it, I mean, you know, anybody who – and i tell you what was interesting to me. I do Facebook. If you want to friend me on Facebook, uh, I go by the name Missy Clifton. Oh, uh, 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 no. It's Tom Dupree. Um, and I'm not even on, I'm on Facebook, but not uh, okay. on Facebook. I do not. But I had, I, I had one guy, he was, this was about six, eight weeks ago when gasoline was really high. He put this thing on there like, oh, well, the refiners are making all this money at Biden's expense. And I said, why do you care? Haven't you switched over to electric yet? Anyway, finish. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, all right. So you 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 always go. You you all of a sudden I get a lesson on something. All right, but it, it although interesting by the way, I won't be able to look at the great uh, the cans anymore. Not know that there's oil and okay, I got it. Heat generated. Check, it's not check, the check. kind of oil you want to use. Okay. Any. Well, you know we're back to this. Uh, you know where is the public opinion? If, if we were talking about the importance of that, and under Biden, the Democrats have passed roughly three point eight trillion dollars in spending. And interestingly. If you go back uh, in our first hour, we were talking to a candidate for city council, which is uh, Mr. Rock Daniels. He is running for the 11th district. He had some interesting things to say. Um, one of the subjects that we talked about was, um, you know, administrations, cities, governments, you know, that it is important that people have business experience, just practical business experience, uh, checks and balances, budgeting, you know, those things. Um, interesting, I was reading an article that 62% of Biden's top appointees have no business experience whatsoever, that they it averages about 2.4 years of business experience for all his top appointees. So yeah, and, and don't don't get me started on his um, his bizarre appointments on the you know, Department of Energy or Health and Human Services. So um, Rachel, that's yeah, yeah, but or Sam Brenton, the, the gentleman that likes puppy play, um, among other things. And wears women's clothes to his appointments. I just, I, I just I'm, I guess I'm old fashioned. I'm sorry. I, the the new normal is a little too abby nor, abby normal <laughs> abnormal for me. But um, yes, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff we've got going on. Have you ever thought about seriously? And I'm being very honest, saying this in front of all these people doing stand up comedy. No, I I I would be the you, least funny person that you know. That's the people that um, can actually be funny. I am the, the least one, funny person. The ones that don't think they're funny, it's like all they do, they just go one little smidge farther, and all of a sudden everybody's laughing. They're not laughing only because they're you. uncomfortable. I guess that's the basis of comedy. Every good comedian has been unbelievably uncomfortable at times. Well. <laughs> um, something like that. We have. You, have you got us some going out music? Oh yeah. Sorry. God, Elizabeth goes away. Elizabeth goes on a trip, yeah. and and we just fall. We just fall to, to H yeah, in a handbasket. No, good. hardly. We're gonna try here. Hardly. Um. So you, yeah, I'm gonna get you something. Here we go. Leo. Well, if you've enjoyed listening, we certainly would like to hear topics that you'd like for us to talk about. Um, I promise you that I would probably have an opinion that may not agree with Tom's opinion, but um, opinion is not anything we're short of. Um, no, we're not short on opinions. And you can take what you like and leave the rest. 
All right, here we go. Hit me, Tom. Turn me up. All right. Little Leo Cocky. We played this last time, but I love this song. I don't remember what it was like. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We'll talk to you soon. I know it was cold.